Hello and welcome to Life with Catherine, episode 46. My guest today is Ralph Keeson. In this episode, he dives into his role as a mentor to the corporate elite. Some people in this world are undeniable. They can hold a room without taking it over. Ralph is one of those people to me. In our conversation, we discuss the evolution of his career, the mechanics behind mentoring, and the hard truths in self-analysis that we can either face or run from. I'll include all his YouTube links and blog, all his information at the end of the episode. So thank you again, Ralph, and here we go. This is Life with Catherine, sharing stories from my heart with a smile, and I'll even sing once in a while. Together, we'll learn more about the people who inspire me. Come along, Pond. Hello and welcome to Life with Catherine. My guest today is Ralph Keeson, and that's how you say it? Yeah, that's Excellent. how I say it. <laughs> uh, Ralph and my, uh, we met through work, and uh, our paths crossed repeatedly over many years, and I kind of had a taste for what he does, when it was always very interesting to me, the idea of mentoring, uh, taking a young person who is starting out or is just getting their feet wet in the business world, or has a few years under them, and sculpting them into something greater giving them the actual real-world tools to achieve executive-level leadership, those kinds of actual real-world tools. How does that even happen? And that's what I'm interested in. That's what I'm looking for and more. Okay, <laughs> so good. buckle in. Okay. <laughs> so I'm interested in where and how your career started. Mm. What did you actually envision for yourself? When did it up happening? How did it shape you? Those are a lot of questions, but really it's the, the picture of who you are to give my audience an mm -hmm. example and yeah. an idea of, of your expertise. So yeah. go for it. Okay, Catherine. No, it's a great question. Thank you. Uh, and pleasure to, to share with you. Um, when I was in high school, uh, what became evident to me as I was uh, getting into my senior years was that I really wanted to be a teacher. So I set out to, uh, after finishing high school, to go to college. And at the time it was Douglas College and I went into their music program because I wanted to be a music teacher. Uh, I enjoyed school. Uh, I wasn't the best student, but I really enjoyed school, <laughs> meaning that I learned a lot more from school than just what I learned in the textbooks and in the classes. Got it. And I had a number of teachers that actually got that, that were very supportive and realized that life is more than just what you learn in the classroom. It's what you learn and what you carry forward in life. So I had some support there. Um, but what I what really kind of, I guess, got me turned on to staying in school, as it were, not as a student, of course, but coming back as a teacher was I, I, I felt high school especially had a real energy and, and something about it where we were getting ready for life and was kind of launching and I thought wouldn't that be neat to work with young people to kind of 
teach and support them and we hadn't invented coaching back then right I mean coaches were on the field out behind the school right <laughs> now they're in the, in the well and I say that I, I'm dead serious when I say that because um, when coaching first started being introduced probably in the late 90s into the early 2000s um, I, I just as a sidebar I candidly thought oh yeah here we go now we're dressing consulting up is coaching calling it something else right and we just change the spots on the leopards uh, and it's obviously a whole lot more than that because it has evolved and it's quite sophisticated and can be obviously have a high impact mm -hmm. um, but what I wanted to do with students was really just to teach um, and then started realizing that um, uh, well to, to be involved and I was very involved in student government I was prime minister we didn't have president I was prime minister of the student council the school that I went to and on the debating team and on you know a number of things right and got involved more you know, on that side so my high school experience was very positive and then to, to get back on track here I, I went to college and um, I just didn't work hard enough to get the marks that I could transfer to UBC and at the time it, it really sucked when I realized I couldn't transfer but in hindsight, and I believe strongly that everything happens for a reason, because although my, quote, dream of being a, a teacher, what I was doing and why, why my marks were okay but not great was because I was teaching piano at home, I was working in a department store on the weekends, I was, in the summer, I had another job with the school board, uh, I was doing some landscaping on the side, so I had minimum two to sometimes four jobs going. So what I look back on now, this experience, I didn't know about, I was an entrepreneur. Yeah. Who happened to be wanted to be a high school teacher? Well, good night. Good thing I didn't become a high school teacher because what I know of myself now and what I'm able to do with people when I teach, coach, mentor, and so forth, we'll talk more about it as we get into our discussion here. I realized that probably wasn't the best place for me. And so, what at the time, at the tender young age of whatever I was, you know, early 20s, I was this, this failure and I couldn't go on, it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it put me on another path. That path then took me to going from college to working for a, a truck company, the Freightliner Trucks, for a while in the warehouse. So I drove a forklift and I wore steel-toed boots and I was a union member. So I've experienced that side and I'm really glad I did because that gives me an appreciation for people that do that and I don't go, oh, well, gee, why don't you get a real job? That's a real job. It's hard, it's important, and it delivers a ton of value. Mm. But that wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So from there, I thought, well, I want to get out of here. I want to get into sales. So I went to night school. I went to BCIT. I took sales, marketing, and management. And then I got to know some recruiters in town and put my resume in and started getting out for some interviews. And lo and behold, went for an interview. And one day was, I was interviewed and successfully hired by Union Carbide. They're a global firm uh, back then. I don't know. They've changed a lot over the years. But they have a gas division. Uh, they have, um, I was in the consumer products division. Uh, where I was selling uh, products to drugstores and, and like and head offices. I wasn't going peddling to a drugstore. <laughs> it's like I had big contracts and that. So it was a fairly sophisticated uh, type of sales. And then one day a fellow that I knew, a partner of one of the recruiting firms said, hey, have you ever thought of being a recruiter? I said, no. Wow. Uh, and so we went to lunch and then, you know, again, to keep the story moving reasonably quickly here, uh, I joined a, a recruiting firm and then from there, uh, I was approached by an executive search firm, which is a fancy word for headhunters, right? So you know, the ones <laughs> executive that search <laughs> firm, love it. <laughs> well, but you, it is True. headhunters. You go out and you find, you go, you kind of stir the bushes to see where these people are hiding. Now um, we have the internet and we have, it's much more sophisticated than it was then, but it was great because it was really finding people for particular roles, bringing them in and, and seeing, first of all, was there a fit and there was there an interest and then 
pre presenting them for mm -hmm. consideration and then if they were successful they would get hired and we'd be paid a really nice fee and I enjoyed doing that but the problem was and it's interesting we go back I'm a teacher right this is what I wanted to be after high school so yeah. so there's, there's a real theme here um, I'm probably spending more time with the candidates that I should and I remember people say well you're spending too long in the interviews so I thought, but these are people I need to get to know them mm -hmm. you know if they're gonna take a job this affects their husband, their wife, their kids. Their, I mean, this isn't just a job. It's not more than a commission fee for me. It's, it's this person's life. And so I think what happened, again, in hindsight, right, because this stuff, you don't get it at the time. Right? No. It's not until later <laughs> that you kind of look back and go, oh, okay. That's the real life. <laughs> yeah. And what is a, a challenge and a difficulty at the time, and even a setback, or in some cases a failure, you look back and go, that wouldn't happen I wouldn't be doing this mm. and so to quickly end the the recruiting phase of my life I went from uh, recruiter or placement to executive search headhunting to one day one partner's walking in saying Ralph I'm sorry this isn't working we're letting you go mm. well, yeah mm, that's not what I said but that's you know it was a bit of a shock because I went from being one side of the desk to the other side yeah. right obviously now I'm looking for work but again John was his name. Best thing that could ever happen to me, and it was interesting because for I, that actually caused that launched me to starting my business. So that was 28 years ago, basically. Wow. And I've been now in business for 27 years. So it was the year prior that, that launched that. And again, you could say that was a failure. And if you look at it as a failure, some people might go, "Yeah, you failed." Yeah, I guess I did. You know, getting fired, being terminated. You know, dress it up, call it anything you want. But when someone says don't come back tomorrow kind of you know you're not welcome yeah and it wasn't because he didn't like me and I, I didn't steal from the firm or anything like that he just realized that in that world I was not able to do it to the level they needed mm -hmm. and I had a sense of that too because again I cared for people I would be spending maybe a little too long in the interview because I was trying to help them career path mm -hmm. coach them so here's now the C word starts entering coach mm -hmm. them for the interview coach them on this and um, I started thinking, well, I'm pretty good at that. And I was, I was teaching concurrently at BCIT in night school and then also for, out at UBC for another organization teaching sales courses. And I did really well at that. My students loved me. I yeah. was getting more classes. I was getting great ratings. They were giving me, you know, the second course to teach. And I thought, there's something here about this teaching thing, right, and this coaching thing. Yeah. So poof, bingo, aha, here we go. I'm starting to realize then this is my early 30s that from what I wanted to be when I was 18, 19, mm -hmm. to when I started down the path to where that didn't work, to then going and getting another job and then being on the street as it were, realizing that maybe maybe this teaching thing, this coaching thing, this mentoring thing is what I'm really good at. And I knew I was good at it, but I didn't know that I had the talent that I have. And I say that not to brag, I just, I no. know, because people come back and I, I know that what I've done has had significant impact on people's careers and in some cases in their lives in a very profound way. For sure. What they tell me, right? So I'm just passing on. Um, and that to me was really exciting because I wanted to make a difference more than have a job. So when I realized that I should maybe try uh, to go out on my own, it was really my wife that said, well, you've talked about this. Why don't you give it a shot? You're in your early 30s. If it doesn't work, you try for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. She's, she had a job, full-time job, so that part was okay. You can always go get a job, right? Well, I have a job now. It's called my company. Yes. I've had it for 27 years. But the neat thing in this, and what really helped me, and it ties into where your opening comments about coaching and mentoring, I got myself a consultant who was a coach, right? Again, remember, we hadn't invented coaching yes. yet, not in the capacity we think of it today. And I remember working with Alan. He did some assessments and evaluations, and he was a psychologist by training, and he was older than me, which was good because he had life experience. 
And he basically helped me realize that I was in the right place. I was, I was passionate and good at teaching and, and coaching and career advising. That's what it was more at the time. And then that launched me to uh, offer my own sales program because I'd been teaching at BCIT and for the sales and marketing executives. And I had a really good network. And so I, my first client was Mark Anthony Group, which uh, here in, in British Columbia, they're the Mission Hill Winery and, you know, pretty successful company. So yes. I was a retainer with them. I'm familiar. And, and probably like, yeah, a lot of people support them in various capacities. Yes, we do. <laughs> and it was fun working with them, actually, <laughs> at many levels. And then the British Columbia Automobile Association, so BCAA, wrote three programs with them that really set uh, a platform for a new customer experience and member engagement because, you know, they, they have members. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I, I could start dropping company names, but I won't because it, it was it's a pretty impressive list of organizations that I've worked with across Canada. Um, and really, primarily at the beginning, doing training. And then what ended up happening, this is really interesting because probably about a decade ago, and this is where you and I know each other through uh, you know, my coaching work, um, I realized that this coaching was a pretty powerful thing and I realized that I was actually coaching, right? I just called it something else, but if I could reframe this and maybe do some teaching, but do some coaching, mm -hmm. do some mentoring, some advising, be a trusted advisor, be a confidant, be all these things that I realize now I've become to people because of not only my skill and my education, plus I went, oh yeah, I went back to university in my 30s, that's the other thing, so yes. I went back to UBC and did a three-year program oh, in marketing management, yes. So, you know, kind of off the rails at college and then back on track, because I knew, not only did I, did I want the, with the, you know, the proverbial piece of paper, but it was more than that, what I was going back to get was what I knew at the, back then was what I wanted. So what, and this is where I, I have a very strong opinion on education, yes, come out of high school, whatever, set your sights on what you want to be. However, don't get locked into that because for those five and a half years I was a recruiter, I remember people coming in and saying, I'm a dentist, I'm a whatever, and they're applying to jobs or trying to get a meeting with me for what I was yeah. recruiting for. And I said, well, I can't even interview you because you don't have the skills. Oh, but I'm so interested in that, I'd love to do that. And I did this because my mom, my dad, my uncle, my teacher, my cousin, my grandfather said, you'd be a good, engineer, dentist, lawyer, accountant, whatever, because you're good at math, you're smart, you're, you know, you got a scientific bent. But then people would often get into that and go, yeah, I can do it, but I don't want to do this. Mm. For the rest of my life, are you kidding me? And so that then, going back to myself, I went back to school and I took what I was interested in and what I was good at, and so now I added some horsepower and some knowledge and some, if you will, competence to say, I think this is a good idea, I know it's a good idea. And yeah, I give you the case study, but it's not about case studies, it's about yeah. here's how we're gonna apply it for you. So that then really launched me um, on not only my own business, but what that really did, Catherine, it really helped me to take my clients much deeper. So both corporate clients, um, people that I was coaching and training, and then from there, it just really is kind of mushroom. So that uh, you know, and I used to do a lot, provide more different or different services and, and more of them. But I'm really kind of narrowed it down to two now that have high impact. Um, there's significant outcomes for the people that I work with. There's the results, and I love what I'm doing because it's really important where I'm at my stage of life. And I'd say for anyone. We all have to work, or most of us have to work. Very few of us can just go shop <laughs> yes. all day, right? There are some, but yes. I, I'm, you and I are not in that category. Um, so 
I realized that I should do something that I enjoy doing, that I'm passionate about, that is fulfilling and that has impact. And so I have been doing that now for going on almost 30 years, but really the last 10, 15 have really zeroed in more and more on the people piece. So that comes back to what you said about the coaching and the mentoring. And that's where I've locked in and then I've also locked in on, on doing really BD and sales, but not in how to sell a used car, but how to sell a concept, an idea. These are big um, conceptual sales where there's a long lead cycle, cycle and it's often into hundreds of millions of dollars of, mm -hmm. of, of, of what people are presenting where you get contracts. So it's pretty sophisticated, complicated stuff. And those are the two areas that I'm doing, uh, working in and having a blast. And so, you know, I know that's kind of a lot there, but that, you know, yeah. I hope every question the answer is not as long as this that's one. That's okay. That's what we want. Um, people, if they're on that path, they need to have the framework, the education, whatever pieces those are yep. that relate. Not every education is the same either. And they need to have the skills that you learn in that framework. Yeah and actual experience that you create for yourself. So they're not coming to you, or hopefully they come to you already with ideas, path, passion. Mm. They're on their path. You're not necessarily looking for someone to come up to you and go, Ralph, do all the work. Find me this, find me that. You need to be responsible to yourself to, I was thinking as you were talking, it's like, get those education as you're going oh, along. Yeah. Get the um, actual skills, get the experience. Yeah. Get the uh, learn about everything around you. Learn yeah. about um, well. We'll get into your YouTube videos. Yeah. Learn yeah. about business. Learn about uh, everything around everything around what you're doing as well, yeah. so that you can have an excellent vocabulary and the knowledge to be able to do what you're doing. Yeah. Having the passion and interest is great but you need the actual knowledge of what you're doing as well, which is interesting to me. You need to be competent. That's competent the word is because the word. Competence, and it doesn't just mean knowing the formula or the equation. It means knowing, in some respects, what you don't know, and knowing you don't know, and know where to go find it, mm -hmm. right? Because I, what really concerns me is when people present themselves as knowing everything and being the solution. Give me a break. There's nobody, and I've coached PhDs and math, like, you know, I hang out with really smart people. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to come into the room with knowledge they have. They have that knowledge. But what I bring into the room is my knowledge, experience, perspective, and the ability I have to draw out of them and reveal to them things that they may not be aware of or understand or be applying and help them become self aware and then owning this mm. and not to get it right necessarily because you don't get it right all the time but to to get it right if we can stay on the theme most of the time because that's what people hire us for that you know <laughs> there's that confidence you, you got to be competent yes. but you can't be brilliant every day the brilliance comes when you get in a place where you're doing what you're educated and you're good at and then you start exploring the space. And that's the key. That I think is actually the most important because people that become so rigid and linear thinking that they just stay focused on what's in front of them are missing everything that's around them. If you visualize like a horse with blinders, right? Yeah, you look at what's in front of you, but golly, there's a whole lot, you know, when, when you look to the left and the right, that should be factored in because that's where the opportunity and the, you know, the, the innovation and spontaneity lie that awfully make what you're working on not only more interesting, but better and that's where you innovate, you create. Mm -hmm. As an administrative assistant, part of what I do is producing what people ask me to do. Yep. 
the other part is being aware of what they're not seeing Mm -hmm. whatever capacity it is whether it's relevant to what i'm doing or not being aware and then having the confidence to go to them and say this is what you're not seeing because they can't be everywhere all the time and everything and that's one of the skills i've learned over time and if they respect you and your opinion which i feel it is they will take that input and they will run with it but part of what so sometimes i say they don't know what they want what yeah. they want is information to be able to make an an educated decision educated is the wrong word to make a proper decision yeah. so part of my role is to be a communicator about what they are and aren't seeing. So that's yeah. one of my skills. And a resource to make an informed decision and additional perspective mm-hmm. that they may not have because you happen to see the world differently and you bring that to their table. Because I know in terms of your, your artistic background, the singing and the other things that you do, mm-hmm. you see the world through another lens, which Very is much. as valid, and just from another perspective, that you say, hey, if you think about that, maybe present a metaphor or a pers- perspective that they haven't thought of, but if you can get them to imagine that, and go, oh, I've never thought of it that way. Poof, there's the opportunity. And an excellent leader will be open to all input. They don't have to take every single piece of information no. you have. That's not what we're talking about, which uh, I can find some uh, in some of the youth in this day and age. What I'm Part of my podcast, the point is to, to teach the future uh, about people. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in people, yeah. and I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. But the idea of well, as an administrator, you, you provide another perspective, right? You yeah, help people, really leaders do. see things, and just showing them you can communicate with people. And an excellent leader will take that input. Just because they don't take your input doesn't mean they don't respect. Is where I was going. Yeah. They appreciate and respect. You can't have all t- all their time, but you don't have to feel rejection for it. It's input is integral to what they're doing as leaders. Yeah, and let me just make a comment on leadership because you raise a really good point. Uh, There's a big distinction between managers and leaders. Okay. And there's a lot of leaders, uh, and I'm putting it air quotes here now, um, people that perceive themselves to be leaders or think they're leaders that are not. And I feel very strongly about this. I can tell. (laughs) Organizations advance people into roles and they actually give them an L, not like a learner on the back of their car. This isn't a learner's. This is a leader decal. But that's what I think it is for a lot of them. They're decals, right? They're going through the motions and someone said that if you pass these standards, you are a leader. But I would argue vehemently with that and, and put a counterpoint forward that it's not what you know, it's who you are. It comes down to character comes down to ability, skill, of course, but there's there's other factors that make leaders. And to the point you just made, it is the ability to hold two opposing viewpoints. So what a good leader, what, what she or he will do, is listen to people that disagree with them or have an opposing viewpoint and not try to override them to say, no, you obviously don't get it because mm-hmm. I'm the leader. You do things my way because I'm the leader. Someone who actually is a leader will go, listen to this person. I, uh, you know, I may not agree, and at the end of the day, you, the point you made, which I would totally agree with, their responsibility for leading, if they're a leader, they have to lead. And that means they can take everything before them and make the choices what's relevant, what isn't. And they may, there may be some ideas you put forward that are valid, but not now, right? So they'll have to make the decision because they're accountable and they, and they have to, to act on that. Um, but they will listen. 
why, and even more so, what I would add to the, the leadership discussion is not just a leader, but a servant leader. The most, the, the most successful leaders, and whether you, if you look at the leadership literature, so whether you're, you're talking about John Maxwell, who has got a model that I use a lot in terms of five levels of leadership, but also Jim Collins in Good to Great, he talked about the, you know, the five levels of leadership, and pinnacle level five is the servant leader. And, and, and um, Collins is an economist, he's a researcher. So he doesn't come at this from a touchy-feely, woo-woo, oh, it's level five. It's, yeah. He comes at it in a very blunt, black and white kind of what they've noticed and what his research showed was that the best leaders, they're strong, intelligent, capable, competent people, but they're also people people. And I remember hearing Collins at a conference in New York a few years ago, and he was absolutely adamant about the point that, yes, there's all the research and all this stuff that we need to do to, to lead organizations, but we gotta be people. We gotta be decent people. We have to focus on the individual and be human, if you will. So that's the part that I think you're talking about as well, Catherine, is yeah. that, that human side of a leader, not just this, you know, some superhero out of a, you know, a comic book type of leader. No. Like they're, they're, they don't, they're not real, right? They're no. fiction. And if you work hard and produce high quality results, no matter what your role is, if you're a janitor, if you're a, an administrative assistant, if you produce quality results repeatedly, your opinion will be respected with the right leader. It doesn't Absolutely. matter who you are. And your contribution will be valued because mm -hmm. my dad was a janitor, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he injured his back when he was young and he was a meat cutter, so he had to retrain. And so he did that. But he kept the schools clean that the kids went to. I mean, he worked into the evening, he got home at midnight, whatever. Yeah. You know, so I look at that kind of as an example and go, yeah, proud of what he did. His yes. job provided for the family. And he made it possible for the leaders, right, the administrators, yes. principals, and everyone else, to have a, a place that was clean and, and, and safe for the kids to come. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't, to me, the, the title means nothing. It's what are you doing and how are you leading or how are you equipping the organization or the enterprise or those with the mantle of leadership yes. to do it because you're doing your job so that they can do their job so they don't have gaps. And I, I don't know how much you know about what I do specifically. I change a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I work with new hires. Yes. So that can be university. That can be high school students. That yes. can be permanent hires, co-ops, transfers, all of yep. that. And some of the, a lot of the younger people, or not a lot, I'll say a handful, will um, ask me about interacting with people. Mm. And I will say, I feel like I've earned a voice with that person that person yeah so I've produced quality work I've worked very hard I have um, I feel like I have earned the voice in this conversation I've earned the voice in when I'm talking to my boss when I'm talking to someone from our head office I feel like I've earned my voice they don't have to like it they don't have to do what I say but I've earned the right to have an opinion in that topic and it's a confidence thing so I'm trying to teach them in a way I'm mentoring as well yeah, you no, that exactly. that you your supervisor is there to help you to help you grow to become who you're on your path of you've earned you earn the right to have your voice and they will listen and they should and be on your way yeah but you don't need to be shy no, and, and you raise a really good point, because I remember distinctly, I think it was 
last year sometime when you called me, it was I think an EIT that was coming in and yes. was in around a profile or something. We had a conversation. There was something. I, mm -hmm. I just remember we had a conversation. That is correct. You wanted a little bit of additional perspective on this person so that you could help him, coach him, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever box it fits in what yes. you're doing at the time. But I recall, um, and being able to step out and 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 earn that right, as you put it, right, to, to engage and ask is really important. And I also would like to add, for the people that are listening, that that's part of leadership, and that's part of just growing up, being mature, right? Let, let's, just, let, let's just take it away from even leadership for a moment. It's just like, grow up. Grow up to the point where you are, where you realize you have a right to be heard. That doesn't mean you have a right to push your opinion in my face. If you mm -hmm. disagree, it doesn't mean we have a right to be use profanity and be rude and insult me. No, you don't have a right to do that because if we go by the treat people you want to be the way you want to be treated, if you're going to do that, then I guess you should be okay with me doing that. And I doubt you want me to treat you that way. So let's just be civil about it. So let's start with the, from the perspective of if you earn the right to speak your voice, you do it respectfully, professionally, with integrity and providing value, you will be heard. And when you're heard and when people realize you're not just babbling and, and being arrogant or rude, noise, I call it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you're making noise, you know, we put mufflers on things that make noise to quiet them down, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll do the equivalent, whatever that is on a person, put them in a room with the door closed yeah. and then we'll put the muffler on, so to speak. But if you're, if you're projecting confidence and interest and sincerity and, 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 and again, be competent relative to your role and what you know, but one coming from a point of contribution and adding, I've yet to run into somebody if it's if it's you know in timing sometimes you know we, we're, we're you, you got to pick your moments right sometimes yes, you people want to hear but they just can't because it's just now now's not the time so do all that and pick your moment my experience is people will will listen and they will hear and I like what you said because when I teach people uh, when I coach them but also especially around BD I use the phrase earn the right right because too often we walk in and people will, and, and I see this a lot, especially with social media, someone will, you know, they, they have a following and they think that somehow that following now, and, and sometimes I question, because I'll read something from somebody who's famous and read something from someone who's not famous and they said exactly the same thing, but one gets however many thousands likes and yes. the other one doesn't even get noticed. So I'm going, just because you're famous, people like they want to jump on your bandwagon. Fair enough. But it's not because you're famous that what you're saying makes sense. Maybe what you said made because it made sense, got you known or famous, if that is your goal. But I think it's more important to say things that earn you the right to be heard, that earn you the right to have your opinion considered, to earn you the right to be approached as someone who has something to say and has something that may be of value. And that's not by pushing it and saying, I've got this many followers, I've got this much that. That to me, again, let let the market, let, let, the, let the population sing your praises rather than say how wonderful you are and make sure that the lights are on you. Yeah. You can tell I've been watching your videos, right? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, earn yeah, your get, voice, right? I, I get onto these things. Oh, this yeah. sounds familiar to me. All right. Uh, story about university. Did we cover that already? I think my university storage, rolling the college, university, going back, um, and the only thing I'll add to that is when I went back, I went back because I really wanted to. And it was a three-year program. The only other story that I would add to that is in my second year, it was my tough year because it was really more the, the, the financial, it was the linear. Mm -hmm. And I, by nature, am not that. So I went and got myself a tutor. Oh. Uh, and this is really important because 
Here I am, here, I'm going to a PhD student who's coaching me to help me work some stuff through. I had to get over my pride, I had to get over a bunch of stuff because I had to pass the course. Because yes. I didn't pass year two, I didn't go to year three. I didn't get, you know, uh, complete the program. Uh, and so that for me was uh, not only a little bit humbling, a lot, but it was really neat because I thought, get over yourself if you don't know it. This is not my strongest suit, so I wasn't going into finance, right? Mm. So, so you know, that was the good news. Um, but I, what I needed to know, I, I knew I needed to learn enough, even though it wasn't a strength to get through this, so that I could get to the next part. And the next part was year three, and years one and three were, were my years that I just soaked it up, and everything I learned there, I'm still doing, and I've added to that, sort of cumulative knowledge. So my university story is, I sucked it up, got through the tough stuff, got myself a tutor, and made it through. I didn't have to be top of the class, I had to pass. Yeah, I you passed. needed the vocabulary to be able to exactly. get to the next stage. And the big thing for me was that I proved to myself, if no one else, I did to my prof, of course, that I could do it, but it was a huge confidence builder for me. It's not about brilliance, it's about finishing. You know, mm -hmm. if you're Michael Phelps, yeah, of course. You know, he's saying, well, we want a spectacular finish. Yes. Yeah, I'm not in that category. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am in other areas, though, but not on my second year. You can hear the gates going. <laughs> Last time we recorded, there was kitchen noise. Yeah. <laughs> so, career, what would you define your role as? Career coach, mentor, what would you define yourself as? Yes, yes, uh, to what you just said. Um, what else do I use? Coach, advisor, consultant, trusted advisor. So there's a whole bunch of titles that, that, that fit, depending on the client and the situation. But Catherine, when, I, when people say, what do you do? This is what I've distilled it down to because it's less about what you are. It's more about who you are relative to what you do, relative to what you deliver. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, really a matter of um, what's the outcome that people get? Mm. And the outcome people get from me is I make them better. So I, I'll, let me contextualize this for you real quick. So I'm at a reception, I'm at a business event or, or wherever, and, some, and someone comes up to me that I don't, and I say, oh, you know, you introduce yourself, hi, my name's Ralph, what's your name? And they say, what do you do? And I say, I make people better. And I pause, and they look at me, and they go, oh, that's interesting. Because if I said I'm a, a coach, or I'm a, a trainer or an advisor, they go, oh, I know I know what that, I know one yes. of them, and I, I get put in the box right away. They yes. put in the consultant box or the advisor box or the coach box. I don't want and to the, in the dialogue box. starts going in their head and they're off somewhere else. And if they had a bad experience with a coach, they go, oh, you're one of them. I don't like you because yes. I worked with a coach and he was a jerk. The dialogue's going already, right? <laughs> right, and this is actually one of the things that I teach people. It's like, mm -hmm. you're more than your job title like a whole lot more but if you insist on you know kind of being what it says on your business card you want to play that card pardon the pun play it but that's pretty self-limiting so when I say I make people better people say oh how do you do that or sometimes they say are you a doctor I go, oh, no I'm not a doctor right but what I am and I play off the doctor analogy because that's when you go to yeah. your doctors because you want to something's wrong you want to be better I'll say I diagnose I assess I evaluate because I, I try to understand how who you are or the people I'm working with or the individual that I'm coaching or consulting with how I can make them better so for me to come in and say I know what you need is the height of arrogance so to walk in and say you need you know kind of open the suitcase so to speak yeah. and everything falls out or open the brochure or everyone gets the it. same thing that's what you need you just oh you're a medium not a large kind of thing right yeah. so we've got your size 
No, it's my goal is to help make people better, but that starts with the basis of assessing, and more importantly, even do you want to get better? Hmm. And this is, and let me just here's a really interesting point actually for our conversation, because I have been given people in coaching programs that have gone through the program, have uh, gone with the group work, and then ended up getting me as the coach. But it became very evident to me, not too far into the process, that they were actually coaching hostages. Ah. And what I mean by that is, of course they would say yes to being in the program. Any fool would say, no, I don't want to be in that. Right? Your supervisor recommended you, there yeah. you go. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, of course, yes, I'm in, just for the optics. But what I always looked for was not only the people that they're in, but they're in. Meaning that when I had a chance to get to know them, did they... Could they uh, handle an uncomfortable conversation? Not meaning that I'm in making them uncomfortable, but we get to stuff that's important and meaningful and deep. Let's get real here, okay? Mm-hmm. And those would be. That's the... where growth comes from. Well, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. <laughs> Keep <I don't>... going. <laughs> that's where growth comes from. Growth does not. Growth is not easy. And to give you, a, you know, a, a perfect metaphor, it's like um, there's there's all kinds of examples where the struggle of um, making it easy for someone, and probably the most uh, famous one, and there's actually a bit of a story, and it's, it's a bit of a, um, it's a coaching tool as well, where the, uh, uh, it's a butterfly or moth, I can't remember, but it, it, it applies. So it comes out of the chrysalis, and there's a story of this, this moth, or this butterfly, that is, that is, you know, when it finally crawls out, and they've been, you know, obviously everything is fit into this little tube, you can just visualize a caterpillar. Well, out of this caterpillar comes this butterfly, well, it doesn't just come out, spread its wings, and fly away. It comes out. It's, it, it forces itself out. And now the energy that it took to get out of that was difficult. This, this was hard work. Now it has to sit there. And all the wings, I guess the, I'm not a biologist. I don't know what those wear. But basically, as these wings start to open up, by the time the strength and the ability to use them is there, this probably takes a number of hours. Now, this little creature is highly vulnerable. If a bird comes along, it's lunch. So it's great risk, but without this pain, this challenge that it goes through, it will not evolve into a butterfly. And so the story goes uh, that someone saw this poor thing struggling, so kind of cut open the, the cocoon to help it out, right? To make yeah. it easy. Well, what it did, it was basically a death sentence because that, that force, that difficulty, actually, um, if you will, charged the nerves. It got everything firing which is exactly what it needed to do to get out of the cocoon so that when it got out, everything was now, we had electricity. All those muscles are built. That's right. Now I just got to figure out how this all works, right? So by short-circuiting, what we often do, using that that, that simple little metaphor of of helping the butterfly get out, but by actually uh, causing a death sentence for the the creature, that's a great metaphor for life because sometimes we want to help somebody get around and like, oh, save them from going through the tough stuff. Well, no, you're not. I've had people that I have ended up coaching where people have kept them from the tough stuff all the way through life. And I remember one woman early on when I first started my practice, I remember her being so angry at me. She got got one point where she called me a a not nice name because I said to her, she was in her 40s and through a couple of marriages and a bunch of stuff, that until as long as I agreed with her and empathized and said, yes, it's a mean world. But I finally started realizing, wait a minute, you're talking about growth. You know, I'm, I'm coaching you to try to, to grow and do these other things. And then I got to the point where I challenged her on something and she didn't like it. And she looked at me and she called me a name. And I thought, whoa, 
that's not nice. And then basically she got up and left and I never saw her again. And I've never forgotten that because I realized as long as people agreed with her and said, oh, poor you, yes, the world's hard. What happened to you was, wasn't fair and all the rest of that. She went, yeah, see, you know, poor me, poor me. And I went, wait a minute, well, what's your role in this? And she didn't like that. Mm. So what we're talking about here, this is actually a really important point, shortcutting your way to success only means you're going to have to do it down the road if you're lucky. Or, at worst, it, it, and I've seen people like this, it sets them on a path of the victim mindset where everyone and everything is against me and it's everybody else's fault. Well, you know what? I got three words. Suck it up. Yeah. Right? Or get over it. Right? Yeah. Because no one said it was going to be fair. No one said it was going to be easy. And no one said that that... that that office or that plaque or that tie or that card was waiting for your name to be filled in on it. it goes back to what we've been talking about the theme earning it it's about you demonstrating that you've earned the right to be there and let's take it one level further you continue to earn the right to stay there mm -hmm. just because you get there doesn't mean you stay there and are you engaged enough to sit across from a mentor a coach and take the, the critique. I'm not yeah. calling it criticism. Critique is important yeah. to take that and feed off it and grow and become what you're going to become. Because if you shut that door right away, that's what you're talking about. Is this person, you're evaluating them, you're assessing them, is this person engaged enough yeah. to be game for the battle? Yeah. You're going to battle for their future. Yeah. For every success that they're they want to set up for themselves, it's gonna be a battle. Well, let me give you a couple of quick points on this. Um, I, I I was at Regina last week, we were with a client and um, doing some coaching and there's some, you know, this, this company has to make some tough decisions and uh, how they're gonna grow and a few things. And so I said to the, the managing partner, I said, you know what, because we are talking about people, about coaching and mentoring and succession planning, and I said, at the end of the day, you can only do what you can do. You can be responsible to, but not responsible for people. Mm. I can be responsible to you. If you and I are working together, I'm responsible to you to deliver ideas, to support you, to provide resources, to coach you, all that stuff. But I'm not responsible for you because you can walk out of here and you can say, I'm not going to do anything that Ralph said. Okay. And you know what? I'll sleep fine. I'll get up tomorrow and I'll do what my day will do. And nothing's going to change for me. But everything will or will not change for you based on what you take from what I give you in terms of my being responsible to you but not for you. And there's another thing, and actually you referred to my blog, we just filmed this yesterday, so this will be coming out on the YouTube, I don't know, my, my videographer, he kind of decides what gets posted, when, but <laughs> sometimes over the next three weeks. And I was talking about are you a can't or a won't? And I remember- I saw that. Oh, was it out? Uh, I saw somewhere, I saw well, are that, you a can't or a won't? Then it's out, okay, yeah. well we just filmed it yesterday, so he, he, he's yeah. already posted it. Or he's posted the preview of it. Maybe that's sure. it. So okay. go for it. So at any rate, uh, in a nutshell, what that's about, and it ties into our, our discussion here today, right? If you're a can't, you know, and I, I, I spend my life with can'ts, right? Because as I coach and I train, I coach people to can't, so that they can do it versus that they can't do it, right? Because they come in, if they can't do it, they don't need me. But if they can't do it, I can help them. So if someone's a can't, I'll work with them and I'll do whatever I have to do to help them because I become a can't, which means they become competent, skilled, and they're, they're capable of doing so on their own. But if they're a won't, Right? I can't, you know, do anything that I want and everything that I want, trying to help. But if they're a won't, a won't is a won't. There's an attitude, there's an issue, there's, there's like, there, there's, 
That's their issue. And I've given up trying to help won'ts become wills or cans or you know, wherever you want to take this. Because again, at the end of the day, we're all responsible for ourselves. It goes back to my comment a moment ago, we can be responsible to, but not responsible for. Mm -hmm. So I'm responsible to help you. If you're a can't, I can help you become a can. If you're a won't, I will still try and try all kinds of different approaches, but at the end of the day, I and probably many other people will end up saying, you know what, done. And if people are listening, there's probably, well, as your people that, that listen to your podcast, some will go, oh, I know somebody like that. You're describing my whatever, fill in the blank. It could be yeah. a family member, it could be an employee, it could be a friend, it could be whatever. But the thing that I really, that I want to challenge people on is are you at a point in your life where this is maybe resonating with you because you've realized that you kept blaming others, wanting others to do it for you, and then can you kind of feel the wind blowing around you now? As in, you know, maybe you're out there by yourself. You know, maybe you need to get back in. Maybe you need to re-enter by having a reality check yeah. and say, you know, maybe I got myself here. Maybe it's not everybody else. Maybe I did this to myself. And how do you do that? Give, can you give me an example of an opportunity uh, or let's take um, just the idea of how do you sculpt someone? Do you give them um, public speaking engagements? How do you look at somebody and give them opportunities to sharpen their skills to become... Hmm, I'm going to use the word sharp. Yeah. Because how do you sharpen leaders is a word. It's yeah. just a noise. Yeah. But sharp, engaging, yeah. experienced, what do you sure. give them? What actual real world opportunities do you give them to become that? That part of it, your YouTube videos, you're yeah. getting a broader audience, yeah. not necessarily one-on-one, you have a website, yeah. all those things we'll get into, yeah. but go for it. Yeah, well, I like your point, sharpen them up. I think we all need to be sharp and sharper, and sometimes, you know, it's the old Covey analogy of, um, the seven habits of effective people like sharpening the saw, mm -hmm. right? The saw gets dull. The knife gets dull. <clears throat> that doesn't mean the knife is bad. The saw is bad. We don't just have to throw it out. You can sharpen the knife. And I think that's a good image to use for people. Uh, so first of all, how I help sharpen them is we start with self-awareness, right? And we start with self-understanding. And so there's some things I use that get, get into personality profiling tools. You can use strengths analysis. You can use 360s. You can use, there's this, this uh, a great tool called the Johari Window, right? It was created by a couple of psychologists in the late 50s. And you can get it online, it's free. It's J-O-H-A-R-I, so Johari Window. And you can use this as a way to have other people provide you feedback based on, um, there's this known to self, known to others, known to others, uh, not self, known to self, not others, and then there's a blind spot. So this is a little matrix. It's a great tool because you have to be willing to first of all step out to start seeking and asking for feedback because it's the old you don't know what you don't know yes but other people know stuff about you and the question then is are you willing to ask the questions or give them permission to give you some feedback so that's the starting point and then when we have some awareness and I'm you know there's more but I'm just yes. giving you kind of a condensed then we can get into yes public speaking but I don't just say if you want to build you know profile and become more confident go give a speech First of all, if you've never given a speech, you're going to find it, you'd be hard pressed to get anybody to give you a chance. Yes. So you join Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. You join a speaker's bureau where someone coaches you and you start doing little speeches. And that's that's exactly what I did. That, that could be a whole conversation for another day. How I built my speaking career and my ability to speak because I wasn't always as good as I am today. Meaning that I've done this a long time and I've refined it, but I've worked hard at it. 
It's a skill that can be learned. But you have to start at a place where you, you cut your teeth on it, as the saying goes. So yes, I would say find a place where you can go and just get up in front of a group. And even if it's doing an announcement or chairing a meeting, start small. And then maybe get into an organization or get on a committee where you're the chairperson. Maybe you host an event, maybe you introduce a speaker, so that you, you, you develop your skills there. So certainly speaking is one, but the other thing is, you've referred a couple of times to my, my blogs and, and to my website and stuff. I mean, good night. Like, you can be blogging, you can be tweeting. You know, you put something out there, you come across an interesting article, send the link, add your comments. I mean, a lot of my stuff, there's one guy that I really like, Seth Godin, I'm a big fan, because he, he says some really smart stuff and he makes people think. So I'm not Seth, I don't try to be, I say, hey, I think it's really cool. Here's what I think about what he said. I put my spit on it, post. People read it. You know, it's about, you know, it's about sharing. It's about, back to what I said, making people better. What I try to do is find everything that I can do to, to help others get better. And if, if your listeners do the same thing, say, how can I do this, not just for selfish, personal gain, but if I'm doing this because I'm trying to help others and improve other situations or people's situation, they're probably going to receive what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do and not only respond, but value it, right? Because that's a big part of this is get an audience. So yeah, public speaking, blogging, um, becoming a volunteer in an association, um, gosh, uh, going working at a hospice, doing something there, doing fundraising. Yeah, 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 there's no end to things that you can do to, to have impact and, and make a difference. And every skill that you learn can relate to what you're doing, can plant a seed. We had a guest friend and walker on, and uh, he's a leader now. You can go back and listen to it, thir episode 13. But he said one of the most formative experiences for him was customer service as a teenager. Oh yeah. That was one of the things that stayed with him all the way to this day. Yeah, yeah. And whether or not it's related to that product you're doing, you're building that muscle and you're planting the seeds. I tell my daughter every day, you're planting, not every day, the planting the seeds for who yeah. you are. Even if it's not the path no. you're thinking of, you are planting the seeds for everything. I like anthem singing. It's not about the anthem. It's about proving you can show up on time. It's about memorization. It's about not having stage fright. It's about reliability. It's about cadence. It's about confidence, it's about appearance, and it's about personality, because everyone can do it differently. All of those things have nothing to do with the anthem and everything to do with planting a seed for who you are and who yeah. you will become, yeah. and also community. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I just, I find everything is planting a seed, whether it's related to what you're doing or not. It's still related to who you are becoming. Yeah, you know, it's a good, and I, I like this analogy, Catherine, because we all plant seeds. And if you think of it, my wife was just, was like, said me yesterday, she was planting something in the garden. I planted, I love gardening, so I mean, it's a great metaphor. Not every seed germinates. So if you think That's of that, you've got a handful of seeds, don't assume they're all going to grow, right? Which is a good way of looking at it. You try something. So let's play the seed analogy, uh, metaphor for a moment. So you plant it, that doesn't mean it's going to grow. Or maybe it grows and it, you go, oh man, I thought that was a, I thought that was a, a, a carrot. That's a weed. <laughs> so you go, I don't want that in my garden. So you pull the seed because it's your garden, you can control it. But you've tried it. it, it it's like, it's about risking something. It's about stepping Risk. up. Risk, yes. Well, it is. Life is, 
you step off the curb, it's a huge risk. I mean, we're, life's still pretty safe, notwithstanding, you know, nutcases that are out there that are, that are making our world more dangerous. But for the most part, we live in a very, at least where we, most of us live, we still live in a very safe place. We don't have to contend with risk every day, mm -hmm. like risk of survival, risk of yeah. food, risk of, you know, disease. You know, we're very blessed. However, if we don't take some risks, and I would argue, and when we travel, we were in Africa last year, when we go to Mexico, I love encountering people that are not privileged and don't live the way that you and I do. Because what they remind me of is that I have a privileged, blessed life. And I should never forget that. And what that also reminds me of is when I see these people risking, literally in some cases, every day taking a risk for survival, not to look down on them and think less of them, I should actually be looking at them going, my goodness, wow, how, how creative, how determined, how ingenious they are to survive. Because that's sometimes overcoming the risk is just to survive. It, it ain't, yes. you know, getting a personalized vanity license plate. <laughs> you know, we're talking here. They have we're to not be inventive. Car. They have to be yeah. ingenious. Exactly. Right? So it's about when, when people say, oh, I don't want to try that. It makes it stresses me out a bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then don't. But don't put down the person who's risking it and working hard and taking, making sacrifices and succeeds and then go, oh, well, you know, they're so lucky. Well, I don't, my parents came over after the war, right? You know, we can talk for hours. <laughs> I won't get, no, I won't get, simply to say they were poor. Yes. And one of the things that, that, that for me growing up, seeing my parents work, in some cases, several jobs and, and sacrifice and stuff, it, I looked at them and I thought, they ain't giving me nothing but love and support and you know family but it's up to me I got to get out there and so I have role models I saw they worked they, they and and they they weren't about literally cleaning like told my dad was a janitor before he did that he was when he was a watchmaker he did that part-time in the evening so day job you know watchmaker by day janitor by night and I go with them because mom was working in the evening sometimes and I'd sit there and I'd do my homework in the lunchroom where he, the company's where he's cleaning so I watched him push a broom and empty garbage cans he did, you know, I mean, I turned out okay, right? if anything. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I turned out better because I saw, well, I, that's what I have to do. If I have to risk something. And I, and I want to come back because I, I think it's, it's on your list there, but it's about what you learned, something that you've carried through your life. Yes. One of the things that I've learned that ties in with risk, so I want to link it into this because it's really important, is I've realized, especially when I started my business, as I pursued opportunities and I would get a, be awarded a contract to speak at a conference or something, I was nervous, like I was in some, I don't think I was shaking necessarily, but I was nervous, like really nervous going up. And then I, sometimes you have those moments you go, what the heck was I thinking? Why did I say yes? Why did I say, sure, I'll do that? Because you, 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 like, you, right before you, the anthem? Exactly. <laughs> I put myself here, like no one made me do this. And then you suck it up and you go through it. And then you get to the other side. People go, oh, that was great, thank you. And you go, yeah. And you know what, you just grew. Because the thing that I've learned, big part of life is just showing up, keeping your word, and even when you don't feel like it. Some days when I go to the gym, I work with my trainer, I drag my butt in there and go, oh man. Inevitably, I walk out of there going, wow, this is a different guy that went out that came in. Because it's up to me to make that, to determine that how I'm gonna live. And it's just, everybody that's listening, it's the same thing. It's their choice, mm -hmm. right? So we all have to, Going back to my theme, what would be one of the things I say that, that I've done in my life, that probably the biggest key for my, quote, success, 
is just showing up showing and keep up. showing up. And it didn't always it wasn't always brilliant, right? There were no horrible failures. There were a couple of times, yeah. you know, I'd like to erase them and go, oh, can we have a redo? But yes. no, we don't. You suck it up, you get over it, and you move on. That's how you get good at something or how you get great at something. Great. I, I don't know if you know, I had stage fright when it came to music. So I can talk to anybody. I'm a great, or a decent public speaker. Yeah, I would say good. Yeah, you are. I would say good. Um, there's skills I could sharpen. But when I first was doing the anthem, uh, Canadian and American, I, I had to find a way to take the step onto the stage. And what I told myself was, every time I go see something, I'm sitting in the audience looking at that person saying, I wish I could do that. I want to do that. Nice. I have the skills. Yeah. So I stand there right before I go on. I look at the people in the audience and I go, would I rather be standing here or would I rather be sitting there? Yeah. I would rather be standing here. Yeah. So t listen to the person you used to be sit wishing. This is your opportunity. Yeah. Take it. And then that made me, and you have the skills, you've got you know what you need you've got the practice to do it and that was always very interesting to me of would I rather be there would I rather be here would I rather be a person who wishes they'd started a podcast but didn't have the confidence to ask people yeah. uh, and you know lots of people say no all the time which is normal in business and you know what a handful of the right guests say yes you don't need everyone on your podcast no, right no, you don't. but I had the confidence to go I'd still rather do this yeah. and sometimes be great, sometimes be good, than not at all. Yeah. And that's no, always been my philosophy, or been for the, my adult life, my philosophy of would I rather be there or would I rather be here? I would rather be here. I choose to be here and I'm backing it up and that's who I am. Yeah. And you know, the other thing you just said, when you put yourself there, as it not from like, not the starting point, but as you advance, the other thing that happens there, and I've noticed this in my life as well, is goes back to the showing up. So show up, be there, and then ask for a little bit more, push yourself, because if you're growing and your, your skill and your confidence and your ability, excuse me, is increasing, people are gonna notice, because they will, right? Because still, relatively speaking, and this isn't doing a selfie in some YouTube video, you know, when you're having your lunch and, you know, riding your bike and whatever. I mean, with all due respect, there's some good stuff, but that doesn't take a lot of talent, right? So here you are doing whatever you're doing. Stepping up, and being intentional, and not even to the point of having choreography, but just presence and awareness and being intentional and thinking of the positioning, and like you said, um, cadence and all the, the when you talk about singing, um, actually being that aware and saying, I'm gonna think of all these things and I'm gonna try to do a little bit on each one of these and then they're all gonna come, and some are gonna be stronger than others, but I've touched on each of them and some of them I just nailed. But you go, well, that was better than last time. Yeah. Well, that was better than last time. And then people, when, when, you, when this, as the water rises, as it were, right, as, as, as the level rises in your skill and your ability, people start noticing, you know, you're pretty good at this. You know, this is an event, would you come sing here, or in my case, would you come speak here, or can you do this? And, and then you do it for free for a while, and then if you get pretty good at it, they say, well, you know, what, what's your fee? And you go, fee? And they don't go, I don't have a fee. You say, well, you know, what's your honorarium? So you turn yeah, around and right. well, what we normally do is, well, that'll be just fine, thank you. And you go, they paid me. <laughs> And one thing I wanted to touch on was one of the major points in my un, not uneducated, I don't know a lot about your world. So my uninformed mm -hmm. um, opinion 
one of the things that people are missing that I'm noticing about myself is we undersell ourselves. We undervalue ourselves. Nobody's harder on me than myself. Yeah. Well, maybe there's like three people. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody's harder on you than you. So to have somebody external look at those pieces, maybe that's not actually your uh, weakness, your non-strength, if you want to call mm -hmm. it. What other people aren't seeing or what you're not seeing is what other people see. Someone like you can look at that objectively and say, here's what you actually need. But I find one of my weaknesses, I'm calling it a weakness, not a non-strength, mm -hmm. is underselling myself yep. in all I do. I do a podcast, but it's just for free. I do singing, but it's only for charity. I do this, but they're really nice to me. Yeah. Or they they gave it to me. Yeah. No, I earned that. Yeah. And that is not arrogance. That is a give and take that we need in our lives. So that's what I'm working on is underselling ourselves or not seeing ourselves clearly enough to be able to go in the right path to what we want. So that's what I'm interested in about okay. what you do. Okay, great question. And here's something that I'm actually known for. This is a little bit of a slogan to say that I use when I coach people. Um, and I actually have these little Nerf balls where I, I have this, I put it on, so sometimes when I do workshops, I hand them out for people, especially awesome. when around leadership. And it goes as follows. It says, you're better than you think you are. And I'll repeat that. You're better than you think you are. Now, there are some people that are not as good as they think they are. <laughs> so, yes. uh, and we, you know, you just look at social media and you, that becomes pretty evident pretty quickly. But that is not the majority of people. There are some that are so in love with themselves that they have to see themselves all the time and they think that they're way better than they, they actually are. But the majority of people, my experience has been, that are, that are balanced people, right, that are not yeah. you know, um, egomaniacs, we don't give ourselves enough credit. And when I coach people, when I remind them that they're actually better than they give themselves credit for or they're more than they think they are or they have more skill or ability, and then when I, in many cases, we'll get to a, either a role play or a discussion where I actually walk them through this and say, okay, here's what I want you to say. And they start doing, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I just breathe and just, if we have to stop, we'll stop, but we'll you know, just try it. And they get through it. And yeah, it's rough. You know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna film that one because no, we don't want that take. It was really rough. I get it, but it's the first time you've done it for crying out loud. So of course it's gonna be rough. That's why you're sitting here. But let's run, run through it again a little bit better. Let's run through it again, a little bit better. Run through it again, don't do this, say that, try that. Okay, that was a little bit better. And you know, Catherine, I can I watch people as they go, it's kind of like a flower when the sun comes up, you know, when it kind of opens up, right? And then it starts following the sun. Like, I mean, daffodils, like a lot of, yeah. a lot of flowers will follow the sun. You are a gardener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most people don't know, they flower, they follow the sun. Yes, they do, check your flowers. Yes. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what will happen is, they start opening up. It's kind of they, the energy comes out. And when they start realizing that they did it, right? And they go, well, you've helped. Yes, I've helped you, but you did this. Like, just let this sink in. You did this. You're better than you think you are. Do you really? I'm not saying you're great yet, mm -hmm. right? Greatness and mastery. I mean, we can talk about that. That's, we can get into levels. That's a whole nother discussion. Mm -hmm. But come on, right? If you've gone to university, if you have a full-time job, if you're a parent, if you, you know, have a mortgage, like, you know, if you just kind of do what most of us have as life, you're pretty good at a lot of things. 
Because to do all those things and keep them going day after day, there's some talent, there's some skill, there's some intelligence there. Like, there is. Give yourself some credit. You're better than you think you are. And maybe you can't play the violin. Well, but you can take lessons. I'm not going to say you're better than you think you are because yeah. pick up a violin and you probably sucked, right? Yes. But if you take lessons, yeah, you're going to learn, right, if you, if you work at it. So, yeah, I, I think most of us, we don't look at ourselves through the lenses that sometimes others see us at, and sometimes we just don't even believe in ourselves enough to even try it. We just mm-hmm. there's so much potential that is just sort of in the bottom drawer if you think of it metaphorically in a lot of people. You just never take it out. Now you have YouTube videos. We're, we'll wrap it up. Okay. You have YouTube videos, whatever framework you want to call them, yep. blogs, YouTube. Yep. I'm not a social media person. Yeah. That's yep. <laughs> not my strength. Some interesting ones that I watched are how to learn from your failures. Yep. We need more crazy leaders. Yep. Which was very engaging love for me. Like that one, apparently. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are you too nice? Manners for millennials. Yep. And the one I recently was uh, just quickly got today, and yep. I didn't get a chance to watch. You are more than your resume. Yeah. Last time I ran into you, you said something very interesting. Was just as interesting as the videos you put out for yourself. What you put out is the comments that go along with it. Mm. So you know what you envision for people to see, but what did they resonated with them? Mm. What did they see? And even specifically, you were talking about the manners from millennials. Yeah. And why don't you talk about what you you said about that? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, so I've been doing video blogs only since last fall, so not that long. Yes. I'm really surprised and pleased with the response we're getting. Um, and I don't try to be sensational or kitschy or anything. I just, you know, my videographer turns on the camera. We kind of scope out what we're going to do and then he hits play and I, I start talking um, and that one that is a salesperson <laughs> well, well yeah I can sell but also it's a, it's a skill and ability and I, I have an yeah. opinion on something so I'm not afraid to share it keep going sorry but the manners for millennials that was a point that really just bugged me personally and and from a business point of view I, I'm not going to change the world with that video and, and you know not everybody's going to watch and go oh I, gee thank you for pointing out my errors Ralph I'm going to now do what you're saying uh, basically that particular one and we're doing more around that whole manners for millennials and I just did one that's focused on boomers which will come out that will be about uh, entitlement uh, around millennials how everybody complains about millennials being entitled and um, I don't want to spoil too much but it's actually I don't talk about millennials I talk about what the boomers have done to set that up and what they Ah. need to do to change it because let's stop just dumping on the millennials right because we're all people we all we all have they are the future yeah yeah Um, so anyway back to the the manners for millennials the thing that really bugged me, and I thought, I'm going to say this, and a lot of people agreed, and even young, younger people agreed, was the, the point of that particular one was rather than say no problems or no worries when someone says thank you to you, or yeah, says thank you to you, why don't you just say you're welcome, right? And then I got people from you know, the United States, people in Cal- like people I don't know that I'm obviously, they're LinkedIn. But they took an opinion, and I remember a couple of people saying, oh, well, you clearly don't understand. This is a figure of speech, and, you know, uh, speech in the Western world is becoming more casual and relaxed, and, you know, just accept this. And I thought, no, I don't have to accept this. I mean, I I can't help it if I go out and I say thank you, and someone says, no problem, no worries. But I can make a point to say, you know what, I don't agree. I think as the bar continues to sink, I'm going to try to say, hey, maybe we can raise it a little bit. Maybe that, you know, a little bit of professionalism and viewing what you're saying from a perspective of being positive and constructive rather than just this, 
Yeah, no worry, which is very flippant in my estimation. No problems, no worries, it's a negative. And I get it, I think it started in Australia, someone pointed out, you yeah. know, one of my IT guys from Australia, he's been saying it for years, and I go, yeah, okay, that's what you guys say. But now everyone's saying it. And what I'm actually saying, it's interesting in response that some people, agree, a lot of people actually agreed very, well, i say violently, not in terms of that they did anything violent, but it was a really strong, aggressive response, like, yeah, that really bugs me a lot too. And now what I do, when I'm in a, some, some business and someone says, oh, no worries, I'll, I'll often look at them and say, I'm not worried. And they look at me ah, and they go, huh? yes. and I said, well, you said not to worry, I'm not worried. And I, I love doing it, not in the sense I'm trying to mess with their heads, mm -hmm. but I actually, I think it's important for us to think of what we say. Mm -hmm. When people start going, whatever, no worries, no problem. You know, um, um, there's all this filler. I mean, just listen to some politicians. They need Noise. speech coaches. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to be respectful. I'm not going to give any names. Fair enough. And think, these are the people that are elected to the highest office, and they can't string along a sentence or can't communicate a sentence without ums and, and whatever. Come on, give me a break. Like I, As you can tell, I have an opinion on this, and I'm not apologizing for it because what I'm trying to do with my blogs and my videos as well is to get people to stop and think, you don't have to agree with me. I'm okay with it. I, I'm okay with myself. Mentoring isn't cookie cutter. No, neither is leadership because leadership. when I lead, I don't agree. I think everybody's going to agree with me necessarily, and I'm okay with that. It's just like I don't agree with everybody else that's out there. But thank God we live in a democracy, and we can put our opinions out there, and we can be civil and respectful, but we can also go, hmm, gee, that's interesting. What about? So back to your point, Catherine. Yes, with my, my blogs, um, everything that I'm putting out there, I'm trying to get people to think about where they're at, the, the failure one. I, I encourage people to fail, not to go just go, hey, I'm going to have to fail now, but to try. And when you try, when you risk, you fail. Now, don't, and if you, if you messed up and it affected people, say sorry, you know, clean up yes. the, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just common sense. But what did you learn from that failure? If you failed, if you don't pause and reflect and go, why did I fail? What was the lesson in that? What can I do that I don't fail again? Or that hurt. But I discovered something through that that I didn't know before. Oh, I just learned something. So I call it failing forward. Failing forward, excellent. Because you're gonna fail. But it's not that you're gonna fail, it's what happens when you fail. And when you fail, do you get up and do you look, do you reflect, do you get perspective, do you go to people that maybe were, that watched the failure and said, you know, what happened? They said, didn't you see that coming? No, oh man, I, I'm surprised you didn't know. Well, here were the signs that I saw, the indicators. Oh, okay, well, gee, now I have some indicators I'll watch for next time so I don't do that again. Indicators. Skip. Yeah. So um, there ain't nothing wrong with failing because fundamentally, I mean, the Wright brothers, they didn't kind of say, hey, let's build a plane build and it. put out there and yeah. it flies. Yeah. They failed their way forward. Every great success pretty much comes from magnific magnificent failure. You know, hopefully not... Not too, you know, fatal. But, yeah. but these, uh, the, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but what I get the sense of from your blog is that what you're doing is trying to create a dialogue and an awareness. Yeah. Not everything applies to everybody. Not everything fits. But take what that particular video was about manners for millennials. What piece of that might apply to me? or the people around me, or just how I interact with people. It's like not about the words, it's about the theme, it's the idea, it's the dialogue, exactly. it's 
about the spirit of it. See what you can grow from that piece. That's what's the point. It's not about the words. It's what's the, what the intent is. It's the spirit of it. And that's what I get from a lot of discussions. Yeah. When I'm frustrated with somebody yeah. or uh, I disagree with someone or I'm, it's like, what is the spirit of what they were saying? Was there anger? Was there frustration? Yeah. Was What was the intent? If the intent and they just clunkily said it, you don't have to hold on to that. You can just, what are they actually trying to say to you? And was the spirit of it nice? Yeah. That's fine. And I like the word spirit, right? Because that's a good word, right? Because it's, for spirit, you're referring to something deeper, more innate, something yes. that, that I believe we all have. Some, I think it's asleep, right? So everybody, you can decide whether you wake it up or you use it mm-hmm. or, you, you know, you, you try to shut it down. But that, that spirit, that essence, that, 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 that thing that, that's inside of us, that makes us uniquely human and sets us apart and has the ability to transform and and, and really bless and, and be a benefit to so many others. You have to choose if you're going to use that and how you're going to use that. But yeah, that starts with self-awareness. And you know, I want to come back because I think prime example, what you're just saying is your own podcast. It's not necessarily having everyone agree. It's putting something out because you care enough and you're passionate enough and willing to risk. And there's not great risk in doing this. It takes a bit of effort on yeah. your part and uh, sitting here and talking today. But still, you're going to have to do something with this. you got to put it out there. you got to yes. load it. So there's some work involved. But I see that as an, as an offering, a gift, if you will, uh, that you're extending to people that are in your world. And they're we go, wow, that's interesting. I appreciate her doing that. You know, when I do my blogs, when I first started blogging, I think seven years ago now, nobody had read them. And I remember when I first started blogging, people said, no one's going to read your blog. And no one read them, right? But I have, I don't know how many blogs now. And if I go back and I, um, and when we started, we figured out that there was a way that we could actually get people, we saw who liked them and, and read, and that, which I didn't know, right? So again, you learn as you go if you fail forward. Um, and then since we've been doing stuff on LinkedIn and YouTube, a lot of people, are, I, get, I see the number of views and they, they're steadily increasing, especially the stuff where I stir it up a bit more. Those ones always get a greater viewership and then shared and liked or comments. It's exactly what I want. But I didn't start off getting it right. I started off writing for one, right? Moi, I blogged for me. But I was at a conference in Boston two weeks ago and it was interesting because there's a, a woman, Dory Clark, she was one of the guest speakers. And she's in certain cir- circles fairly well known. Um, and I heard from her and a number of people that if you're going to start blogging, you should be prepared to blog three to five years before you get noticed. Before you even get noticed. In, in any, like, I mean, it can go faster, of course, but so many, I mean, there's so much out there. I mean, good night. You're not going to read everybody's blog that blogged today. I mean, nope. you, you couldn't even get through it if you tried. But it's not about trying to get everybody. It's trying to get the right people. So do you have something to say? Do you have a voice? Are you unique? Are you unique? Do you have an opinion? Do you have a perspective that may give someone another way of looking at things and provide some value? And if you care enough to put that out there, put it out there. And if people care enough to listen, they'll listen. And if they think it's interesting, they'll share. They and you find a few people, I mean, this is what you do, and they find a few, I've watched some of your, your podcasts, and I go, oh, that's interesting, that's an interesting person. Oh, I know her, and right? Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't matter, but it's, it's your intention. And I think what you're doing, is, that's what I love about this, it's, it's noble, it's honorable, and it's not just to try to make, make you feel good, use nice words. No. That's really the essence of this. And I think if more of us did that, wow, I could have impact. I have a gift for one of my gifts that I've cultivated is communication. And I've learned this year specifically, but over my life, not everyone has the ability to communicate. And if I can show that, show that skill, 
that maybe people can learn from that skill that that's what I'm looking for yeah. is to show that about myself but also I meet amazing people every day you know we have a large office in yeah, and out of course. in my life I have a large volume of people that go in and out of my life in a great way and it's like I met this amazing person and quite often people will say how did you know that about that person how and I've known that person for years how did you because I have a skill for communication that I think is interesting enough to put out there in a podcast. So I had to decide what my podcast was about. It's about sharing stories that people have that they don't even know they want to share. They don't, you didn't come into this room with a complete, uh, as far as I know, example of everything we were going to talk about, a script, which is fine. But I have a gift for pulling those things out of people that they don't even know that they want to share. And it, I like that about myself, and I'm proud of that, and that's where this all came from. And good was on you. Being Thank able you for to show. sharing that. And to, for people to see that this is a skill, and maybe they have it too, yeah. and they just don't know it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for coming. Oh, you're welcome. Now, it let's double check the audio. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I really appreciate it. It's been fascinating. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the respect that you show me and the people that I see you interact with because that's what I gravitate to. So I appreciate you. Thank you. And I, you, we should hug now. That's right. All right. Thank you for listening. And I will do an outro after. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you again to Ralph for being on my podcast. You can find his links on his website, keeson.com, K-I-S-O-N. And you can find his blog at keeson.com slash blog. You can find links there to his YouTube, uh, his Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those fun things. And feel free to reach out and connect with him. Thank you.